We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Light ears, Andy. I am in a great mood. How are you feeling? Wow, look at the energy coming off the top rope, Sam. Wow, <laughs> we got an incredible I mean, basketball back. I mean, we got we got warriors all over the place. I mean, look, this is going to be an incredible week, month, year, season, right? It's going to be great. But let's start. Let's start with the fun stuff. Let's start with the super fun stuff over the weekend. Yeah, I mean. D- by the way, shout out Sheed for hosting Warriors World Tournament. This needs to be an official tradition. The tournament is the day before media day. It felt like the official start of basketball season Ooh. in more ways. Than, I didn't even think about it till we were there. Um, per sources, Andy led the tournament in scoring. Uh, may have not won. He went full Restbrook stats over <laughs> wins. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a great tournament. It was a great. It, it felt weird time. not having the tournament last year with the pandemic and everything. Uh, good to have back. I, I great, great call. Uh, she should do it the day before media day. It's look, the season starts when Sheed and Warriors World says the Warriors season can start. And and this is this was a great part of it. I mean, all donations went to charity, right? You can still donate, actually. So for, for our listeners that still want to, I mean, Clay Thompson's organization's in it, Wanda Scott Anderson's organization in it, just contact Warriors World. That's it. And, and you guys can still donate to the cause. And uh, no, it was a great time. Uh, I, I, Sam, never gotten to play against NBA players. So she'd helped us out, gave us an easier bracket, and we got to play Leandro Barbosa and Zaza Pachulia. You made a great point after the game that I couldn't stop laughing, couldn't stop thinking about. Uh, we lost the game 22 to 6 to Zaza. <laughs> but you said uh after the game you said you know what i watched that and i saw you chuck up two threes and i immediately knew it was the love of the fame you immediately <laughs> knew we weren't there to play basketball andy went, <laughs> andy went full ben Simmons. it's like we're not winning this game i need the highlights to hit the timeline see me shooting threes have people thinking uh, it that's was- really that's all i wanted man like we came out it was kirk lakeup's team shout out grant liftman our guy but uh, they put together a team with those two guys and Will Sheehy, who played college ball. Um, so they had a stacked team. They ended up winning the tournament. So shouts to them. But uh, the moment I saw them, Sam, I was like, look, we're not going to win. I'm not playing to win. I need to get a highlight up there for the, for the, for the fans. So <laughs> it was a good time. It was a good time. Yeah, I mean, it's – look, man. Shocking. The team with NBA players won the tournament, <laughs> right? Um, shout out to Grant Liffman, though. Uh, he was really the spiritual guy to the team, and he knows it. Um, <laughs> I do want to say this before we move on to the show. 
if you do want to donate, Warriors World is taking donations until Friday. Contact Warriors World on Twitter. Yep. You follow him. Donations go to the Thompson Family Foundation. That's Clay's charity. Juan Toscano's GTA Foundation. Yep. Eat, learn, play. Uh, contrary to popular belief, we are taking none of the money. It is all going to good yes. causes. Yes. If you want to support, support. And man, I think it's time we talk about the season now. Oh, oh. I got I got shivers. You know, I'm angry. I'm happy. I'm a little sad. I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> I'm all the feelings at once, Sam. So, you know, sports is back. Where do we start? Where do we start? Eventful Media Day. Uh, so, Warriors, you're listening to this on Tuesday. They will have their first official practice Tuesday. Monday is Media Day. And you got a little bit of everything here. So, I feel like we should run down the main talking points of it and get excited because we are a week away from Warriors preseason basketball and less than a month away from regular season games. There we go. Kind of, kind of wild. So, first thing to note was no Draymond today. I I, I don't know whether to be surprised by that, but when I heard that, I thought, how, how does that make any sense? Because we, it's not like he's sick. didn't seem like he's something happened. I mean, maybe something happened, we never know. But didn't we see a highlight of him at the game with LeBron yesterday in, in L.A.? So, hopefully there was no, like, crazy emergency, Sam. That's the only thing I can think of. It doesn't seem like it's COVID-related because, again, well, I guess it might be since he was in the stadium, but I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know whether it'd be concerned or not. It just felt like it was a weird thing that he's not there. I'm proceeding with it's nothing. Um, Bob Myers was pretty cool about it being excused absence. Steve Kerr reiterated that. To be fair, they're good at keeping things in house, but yeah. they're both like we expect Draymond back within a day or two. Yeah. Um, more importantly, I didn't see Steph Iguodala. By the way, great to see Iguodala again. Um, he's young. Looks like he's 25. I mean, he's he's going to be 60 and in better shape than you or me at our Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. that goes without saying. But um, uh, what was I going to say? I, I didn't sense anything that, like, we should be worried about it. We'll, we'll see what happens. I kind of expect he'll be at practice maybe the next couple days. They said he had a personal matter and it was excused. I'm going to take him at their word for now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I think you're right. If there was something with Draymond that happened, you're right. I don't think Kerr, Meyer, Steph, those guys would say anything. But uh, they did say he's back after a couple of days, right? So um, so maybe he's uh, just extending the vacation a little bit. Some, sometimes you don't want to leave LA. I get it. Look, he wants you to know, stay. And you know how the team is. Like, they give the veterans a little more rope um, <laughs> for, really? for all we, uh, you know, for all the hard times we give them. They know that, like, you know, they don't need to go all Bobby Knight on Draymond about everything. If they want to give him a couple extra days, it's okay. He's about to bust his ass because they're going to play so much small ball all year Ooh. that they're okay with it. Um, I'm not worried about him. I'm, I'm putting that to the side. No concerns okay. until someone tells me it's a concern. Now okay. let's get into, like, the, the actual cool stuff. So uh, first, Bob Myers opening the entire thing off looking super swole. Um, over under, he was intimidated by Gabe Kapler and he had to reestablish himself as the most in shape, um, front office coaching person in the Bay area. Have you seen Gabe Kapler? There is nobody <laughs> in the Bay area that is outlifting Gabe Kapler, but Bob Myers, good looking dude. Uh, you, you know what he looks like to me? He yeah, does get the bicep veins going though. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm just saying mid forties still got the, the muscle veins going like, ah, just. You know? He's look, he's got height on Kapler. They both have hair. So, you know, they got, they're good there. Uh, I would say the, the one thing with Myers is uh, he look, he looks like he's gained some weight. I mean, he probably looks like he's transferred that weight to muscle. So it's like, it feels like someone who like 
doesn't run. Like, look, he should hit the Peloton, OnePeloton.com. Uh, but instead, he's just hitting chest day every day. He's hitting arm day every day. So, you know, he looks good. He doesn't look that stressed, Sam, maybe because he's, you know, hasn't been talking trade with Ben Simmons. So, you know, he's not stressed out. Uh, he looks good. So we're, we're, the Bob Myers workout is bench, Arnold press, and then some <laughs> some some uh, curls. That's the move. That's maybe, maybe, one some tri- maybe some tricep extensions. <laughs> super sets them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just get to, quick, quick 20 minutes, super set, super set the, uh, the bench or sorry, the chest, and the shoulders, and then the buys and the tries call it a day. Dude, Incredible. over under, he hit a hundred pushups before he went out there. <laughs> that, is, you know, if there is one person that would do that, I could see Gabe Kapler <laughs> doing that. Like that is the quintessential. It feels like that's what Kapler does. Uh, Myers is much cooler though. I will say Myers is much cooler. He's very calm. I, I found it very interesting that, um, that he said that Clay Thompson would come back a little bit sooner than we thought. So I don't, I don't know whether, you know how it is, Sam, like we never really take really see anything factual in what these guys say, but he seemed a little optimistic, more optimistic than Clay Thompson himself. So I thought that was probably the most interesting part of, of Bob Myers press conference. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, what I was, I, I kind of took it the opposite way, to be honest. I thought Clay you did. Clay was kind of like, you know, yeah, I'll be back in, you know, I'm not going to play before 12 months, but, uh, but I'll be back soon. And then Myers like could be January, that sort of thing. But mm. I, I do think Bob was just trying to control the whole narrative. We'll get to the clay stuff a little later. Um, what I was going to say is let's, let's get to Steve Kerr real quick, because I feel like Bob Myers and Kerr are the same thing. So Steve Kerr had one statement. And when I say same thing, it's like, oh, they're not players overarching, like management theme going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Kerr mentioned it's time for fresh, blood and new ideas you constantly have to be evolving and adapting it felt like a necessary step for us he's talking about the coaching staff changes and some of the philosophical changes they might be making this year Andy Lou, I'll start with you take your victory lap I mean like 10 minutes in the podcast and we got here unbelievable I should have started this straight from the top straight from the top this is what we talked about all last year Sam like we we I felt like on the podcast Look, on the timeline, I'm a little bit more dramatic. But on the podcast, I felt like we always told the line to say like, hey, it might be a time for a little change in terms of offensive philosophy. Look, don't run. You don't need to run pick and roll all day long. But what we're asking for is you might need to run it a little more to get guys more comfortable, especially new guys. Maybe Kelly Oubre, who doesn't understand the system, right? New ideas, some new game. And we've made, I've made some jokes about, you know, let's say, for example, Bruce Frazier on the bench. Like, what does he do? And Coach Kerr comes out here and he's talking about fresh blood and they hire four new coaches. So, you know, Kerr's a smart guy. Sam, I think my, my victory, I, I'm curious. I wonder if Kerr knew this last season or who told him this. Like, did Joe or Kirk walk into his office this summer and say, Steve, this is exactly what you have to do. You know what I mean? Like X, X Y, and Z. Like, I wonder, Sam, I really do. Are, are, you, are you implying Kirk like have walked in and said, listen to this podcast, do this <laughs> next year? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shouts to Kirk, friend of the show. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I thought so. I'm going to bring you up some other Steve Kerr comments here. He 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 constantly talking about adapting, mm-hmm. wanting to play small, fast, space it out. He mentioned how they were terrible on offense last year, and they have to find a better balance between offense and defense. You talked I, about every day. I brought up every day. I feel like in general, we talked about last year. And for me, 
all I ever wanted was an acknowledgement that that was going on. I felt like I was going insane when I was watching the same thing over and over again. And people were like, it's great. Nothing's wrong. What are you talking about? You know, that's, that's like really what got me going. So as far as I'm concerned, Steve Kerr, you have our, you know, that's all I wanted to hear. I'm calling it Steve 2.0 right now. This is Steve 2.0. We got Steve 2.0 last year when Wiseman and Ubre went down and they had to lean into small ball and kind of pass it and, and just playing that style more so. I think we were getting a full season of Steve 2.0 because if you look at it, they replaced Ubre, Bazemore, and um, who am I forgetting? And like Smiley Each with, uh, with like Bielitsa. Otto Porter, uh, Igudala, who obviously we know very well, um, Moses Moody. They, they've really replaced them with players who kind of fit this more up-tempo pass-and-shoot type of system that they want to play now. And the thing that really came to my mind was I felt like last year the big issue was Steve wanted to run a system, and he didn't have the players to run a system. So you and I, what we were saying was adapter system. You got guys who can play, but they can't play the way you want to play. Like Kelly Oubre is not Andre Godala, right? Kemp Bazemore is not Kevin Durant. Like that, that isn't going to work, right? Um, that's one option. Option B is just to bring in different players who can play a system more similar to what you want to do. And I feel like the Warriors might have found something in the middle of those two. Is that possible? Like Otto Porter... He's not, you know, he's not Kevin Durant, but he can shoot the ball and he's definitely smart enough to pass the ball. Like they've brought in players who play closer to the style the Warriors want to play. Yep. Yep. I, I agree. I think they, whatever they did last season, they definitely said that's not going to happen again. We're going yeah. to put, the, we're going to, like, they just said, we're going to go back and put together a team that I think is similar to what made them successful in 2015 16 when they first became, you know, this dynasty, 14 15, I should say. Um, but they also said, we're going to need more than that, actually, because we're not getting the next Sean Livingston. We're not getting the next Andre Godala. We're only getting the old Andre Godala. So instead of that, we're going to put together a team that's a lot better, like you just said, um, in terms of shooting and, and, and hopefully pull up the same thing, uh, uh, the same type of passing that they've had before. Um, I'm a little I'm still a little bit confused because Steve Car- Steve Kerr is such a smart guy that he didn't figure this out in the middle of last season. Part of me feels like he knew this the whole time and was maybe playing with kind of the media and playing with, with kind of the way that he coached because he knew that even if he felt this way, how much can he help the team? I don't know, Sam. Like, I feel like Steve is a lot smarter and that he knew this already last season. That, that's all. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think on some level, part of it is potentially politics. Like, you yes. bring in Kelly Oubre yes. for $80 million, you can't just bench him. Um, part of it is also maybe stubbornness. Like, Steve is a coach with conviction he's not going to back off of how he feels that quick. So I think it was just like a perfect storm for what I would consider to be highly frustrating basketball to watch. <laughs> like there's no other way around last year. It's not even that they like, I don't think I ever thought last year's team had some like deep aspirations in the playoffs without Clay Thompson or anything like that, but they were just frustrating because you knew they were better than what they were doing. And it felt like, instead of maximizing the team, they spent like 50 games just kind of shooting themselves in the foot all the time. Um, one last, actually, I don't know if you have other points, but one thing that I thought was most important to me uh, be, it, between him here talking uh, during the presser, as well as the podcast with TK, another friend of the show, uh, Tim Kawakami, 
talked about playing small ball more. And Steve Kerr, the last, what, five, six seasons, only play small ball the last 10 minutes of the game, 10 minutes of each half. Like, that's all he ever does, especially in the regular season, because he's, he's right. I mean, you don't want to do that. He's trying not to good. wear Draymond down, yeah. too. Like, yeah. like, fundamentally, he's trying to manage the season, which is something you can do when you have the talent. Now, he kind of has no choice. Uh, they went 15-5 and five at the end of last season playing that way. I am excited, but also scared. Sam, because it's a lot of small ball with Draymond. One thing I will say that probably helps out the Warriors, every team is small now. Like, the basketball's changed. The NBA's changed. Yeah, no, you're, not, you're not playing Zebo and Marc Gasol together. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Zebo and Marc Gasol. Good time. Dude, that's so yeah, weird. I mean, it's, Isn't it funny? Like, their first wow. title, they had to go through that type of team. Wow. Yeah, I just, wow, you just hit me. I, I mean, I love those guys, especially Marc Gasol. But, yeah, I mean, now nowadays, it's, I mean, who's the scariest big? I mean, it's not even... The turnaround shot looks like Zebo. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, there's just... Maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's what's going to make it better. Part of his necessity, right? Because like you said all last season, Draymond's not playing anything more than the five at this point. Like, they just can't force him to play the four for an extended period of time. Like, he's going to have to play what? What do you think? Like or, 20, if he, or if he minutes? is the four, the five has got to be... Someone like Bielitsu can shoot the ball, right? Like that type of thing, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited uh, for that. I'm just saying, I'm excited for that. If they, if they go primarily small ball for 25 minutes a game, man, they're going to win some games. I mean, in the early part of the season, he's definitely playing 20 minutes a game at center. Um, that, that's a perfect transition. What a professional segue, my man. Um, to Wiseman, we talked with Dr. Narav on the last podcast, and I, I implore you to listen to it if you didn't get a chance to. Um, he walked us through kind of what to expect. I think Wiseman's probably going to miss the first month of the season, maybe two to three weeks, something in that extent. But like, he's going to miss at least 10 games, maybe up to 20, probably somewhere between 10 and 20. And then he's going to have to ramp it up. Just the the meniscus surgery he had being a big guy, it's going to take him a little longer. So they're going to have to open the season without him. Now, what we got with Wiseman today, I found, I don't know. It's media day. Like, I don't want to read. I don't want to drink too much Kool-Aid. The things he mentioned that I liked, he said he's working on shooting a lot. And at this point, he's probably only at 50 or 60%. Like he can run a little bit, but he can't jump. We, as we found out, he can't jump till the 15th of October. He's working Milejevic on his fundamentals a lot. He's spending a lot of time working on stuff. The thing that stands out to me when you hear Wiseman is like the kid I hate calling him a kid, but he's a kid. He is a kid. We are 10 years. I mean, you're 10 years, 10 plus years older than him. Damn near. It's crazy. Anyway, uh, you're 10, it blows you're my ten, mind. You're 10 years older than him. That makes me like 50 years older. <laughs> it uh, blows my mind. What I was going to say is he definitely says the right things and appears to have the right attitude of trying to get better the whole way. So I did like that they were really talking about his shooting and working on it and getting his body back that way. He looked a lot bigger. I don't know what your thoughts were. Yeah, I, I thought that was – I don't know if that's a good thing, I'll be honest with you. I mean, he was already pretty big last season. He got pushed out of the way a lot on, on rebounding position. But is that does, is that chest day or is that leg day or is that just understanding leverage, right? Like, I don't, I don't know how much muscle is going to help him. I'm sure it will in the long run. But you also don't want him to be slow. Like, he wasn't slow last season, but also defensively, he never really was in the right place. But – that could be mental, Sam. Like it's not, oh, not a size I, I, thing. I right? feel like that was totally mental. That wasn't yeah. that wasn't like an athleticism issue. That was a I jumped three levels of basketball in one <laughs> year thing. Now, what I think also is is very very uh, striking to me is Mihailovic. 
uh, basically said that he's going to be the coach for him. Two thoughts. Number one, that tells me that they understood where they messed up last season. They understood that they threw him in there without preparing him for basketball, uh, NBA basketball. Uh, that's number one. So they're going to fix that this season, hopefully. Number two, they also realized that they needed better coaches or they needed more coaches. Like, who was that guy for him last season? Or Jaren just Collins. more specific coaches. Like, yeah, Milanovic, yeah. we have we have old pods. You can listen to him. He's known as the Serbian Barkley. He's an undersized big man who everything that made him good was, like, about IQ, about mastery of angles, about knowing how to use leverage, about basically everything Wiseman's bad at, which is, like, Wiseman's a physical talent, but he doesn't know how to use his physique to his advantage. What better than the guy who is like not physically gifted, but like just understands how to play basketball? By the way, decent track record with Jokic, Boban, and a not bunch bad. of other players. Not yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, not not bad. You're right. If he gets Wiseman to a point where he can play easier basketball games, simplify the game, like you said, um, and then be able to use his athletic size, because who in the NBA is as big as this guy? Like it's ridiculous. Rudy Gobert. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's it. That guy's defensive player of the year, as much as I like to make fun of him. He's a beast. And by the uh, way, you, you brought up a good point. Wiseman mentioned that he needs to play simpler. He mentioned Aiton. He mentioned a couple other things. He's like, he he tried to do too much and like, you know, show everything he had. Where whereas, you know, like, and it's a classic young player thing. He just needs to simplify the game. Like, dude, you're bigger than everyone. Just set a good screen. And put your hands up, and you're good to go. Yeah, um, I, I am excited for him. That that is one reason I am excited for him uh, for Wiseman this season. So um, he could be. I mean, they're almost kind of relying on him, even if they're going short, even if they're going small, right? But uh, they're going to need him come December, January, February, because you know Draymond is not going to be able to play those games uh, all season long. So I'm excited for Wiseman this season. Uh, sometimes you need to fail to realize you know, how much work you need to go through to get better. I think this has kind of been the case with the Giants. It's kind of an opposite kind of comparison. But a lot of the Giants, they listened to the Giants' coach, new coaching staff because they were terrible last year. Brandon Crawford was done. Brandon Belt was was always we in. Thought a bunch of them good. Were done. Yeah, Longo right. was done, right? And by the way, I hope Belt gets healthy. Jesus, fractures his thumb. Um, but like with Wiseman, he comes in, he's 19 years old, and he's the number two overall pick. Like who who's going to tell him to play a certain way? Like, he's just been awesome his whole life. So, you know, sometimes maybe it's not Steve's fault. Sometimes, like, you just kind of can't tell someone what to do until he fails a little bit. Yeah, I mean, my my big thing is it's – so the Warriors are clearly planning for him to be their big center, and they don't want to sign another one, and they're hoping he comes back, let's say, game 11, something like that, and he's healthy the rest of the way. And then you got like a nice little center rotation, like Looney's Mr. Reliable in like the boring way. Uh, Bielitsa is your stretch five. Wiseman is kind of your, your five. And then you got the small ball five, which is kind of your trump card and your go-to closing lineup game. It's going to be interesting to see if everything clicks for Wiseman this year because like there is talent there. There's, there's obvious talent there. You know, you guys aren't listening to this for me to tell you like, guys, he's really big and athletic and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But it's going to be interesting. For me, I'm most curious to see how his shooting comes around. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's the separator for him. That's what makes him a special player in most cases. Guy that size with that kind of athleticism, if he has touch from three-point range, you can't do anything about that. 
you can't do anything at all, right? Because now you have to guard him. And the minute you have to guard him there, then it's just an easy dunk every time. Rudy Gobert with a shot, with a three-point shot. That's what we're talking about, baby. So And significantly better athleticism. I mean, I don't know where he gets to this year, but I'm curious to see how it looks with a coaching staff who, let's just say, seems a little more prepared to deal with a young yes, player who's correct. not correct. who's not like a basketball savant yet. Correct. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. We've had a, a positive attitude going this whole way. Uh, time to get to maybe something that's not as positive. So Andrew Wiggins today, I feel like awkward is a polite way to describe what happened. He got grilled on getting vaccinated. Oh, boy. And I heard a hundred different versions of I'm going to keep that private. Okay. Um, I, I kind of felt bad for him. Did he look like just, just not, I'm not talking about his takes. I'm not talking about his opinion. Did you, did you, you saw his face up there, Sam, right? Like yeah. he, he looked, I just, the guy, I, we don't know what reason you don't know what reason. I don't know what reason. I, I don't know if anybody really knows what reason that he's doing this, but he genuinely looks miserable uh, up there. So I feel bad for him because of that. It, it just a guy that we've never, did he even talk last season? The entire season, and we've heard more from him today than we have the last two seasons that Andrew Wiggins has been here. Um, this is a very unfortunate situation, um, and I, I kind of don't know how I feel about it. About it, the best I think the best person that that described it was Steph Curry. Uh, he he was visibly annoyed. He said it would be nice for Wiggins to kind of do this, but he's also entitled to his own opinion, right? But he was also annoyed. Like, I think that was the probably the only way I could think about it where it's, I don't know, like, I, he kind of gets to have his opinion, but at the same time, take the shot. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it, Sam. Like, I just, I don't think there's another way to think about it. I don't know. This is really difficult. So a couple thoughts I had. One is he looked like he had some conviction behind not wanting to take it. I don't understand it. I'm mm-hmm. not going to purport to, mm-hmm. but it, he did not sound like a guy who just like was going to go there. He, he didn't look like a guy who's going to go to Rite Aid tomorrow and just get a Pfizer shot. You know, um, I don't know why he's so opposed to it, but it, it seems like it's a serious issue for the Warriors right now. That's the way I'm reading it. He did look miserable up there. I don't think he's prepared for what he's about to deal with if he's actually going to sit games out over this. You know, he has until I think it's October 13th 
to sort this out. Correct. And, you know, it, this could all be much ado about nothing. He might get the shot in a week and a half and it's all fine. Right. Um, but I don't think he's prepared for the noise that's going to come with not wanting to do it because he plays for one of the only teams in the NBA who legitimately will not let him play in home games. I don't think he's ready for how warrior fans are potentially going to treat him. If he's actually sitting out regular season games at chase by not getting a shot. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that one either. Like, I don't know. Warriors fans don't really do the whole booing and stuff. So like, I don't know. It's not not Philly, man. Yeah. It's (laughs) not Philly. Like that's not Warrior fans are going to do that, but he's not going to be there. It's just a very uncomfortable situation. I am interested to know how the players actually feel. Um, I think someone like Draymond is a good barometer, Sam. And you threw in, in the lead in here with a, you, you threw in a Marcus Smart quote. I want to read this out because I think this is very important. Uh, Marcus Smart said he is vaccinated partly because he didn't want to deal, quote unquote, didn't want to deal with the BS. And because he didn't want his decision to adversely impact the team. Also said it's tough to be told what to do with your own body. Okay. Uh, that's important to me because I think there are a lot of players in NBA that don't want to take the shot. I think there's a lot of people like that, but on the other hand, it's, I'm not going to lose money over this and I'm not going to lose games because of this, right? I want to help my team win at the end of the day. That's all that matters. Right. And I think Draymond is probably the guy that's in my opinion, probably feels strongest about that. Right. He's probably the guy that says, Look, I don't want to do it either, but look, we got to win basketball games, man. Like, if you're not going to play, we're not going to win, or you're not going to help us win. Like, it's not going to be a good thing, right? I don't think there are players in the NBA that are saying, we need to gung-ho do that. It's more of, let's do this so we can play basketball. And it's like, it's like the same with football. You see it where it's like, well, there's a different situation. Let me, let me take that one back. <laughs> there's a, Sam, sorry. But like, what I mean is, I just think there are a lot of players, most players in the league that just go, we don't really want to do this, but we're going to do it because we need to play basketball our job and i think that's i don't know how andrew wiggins feels about that like it, it seems like he just i guess he doesn't care but it, it's hard to me to think that he really doesn't care like he really feels that strongly sam does he really feel that strongly i, I just i don't get it and that's where I, that's where i'm so confused i don't get it i don't know that's why i like that marcus smart quote and threw it in the rundown because all right there's multiple reasons to get the shot one is um it does lower the chances of spread, which ultimately is the goal we all have. We want to mitigate the spread, hopefully bring it down to as low a possibility of spreading as possible. Um, sure. You know, I like, I'm going to be honest. I think both you and me, like (laughs) even we're not at a risk, but like people in our lives are at risk, right? Like I'm not worried about me. If I get it, I'm worried about like, if I give it to my parents who are older and have pre-existing conditions, right? Like that's like the type of thing that worries me. Like if I was ever to catch it, like I'll probably be fine or, you know, that sort of yeah. thing. Right. Well, my mom. Yeah, exactly. That's the type sure. of thing where it's like, I don't want that to happen. So I'm going to get the shot or well, I already did just to be clear, but like that, that's like the reason you do it. Right. That sort of thing. And that Marcus Smart quote, like, rung truth me because I can tell the guy was like, I don't need to do this. I'm a pro athlete. I'm fine. If I get COVID, I'm going to feel like crap for like two days and I'll be fine, right? But I'm doing it for other people to make them feel better, to make them feel safer. And I don't know. Uh, I, I just thought that was a powerful thing to think about because it's important even if you logically can say like, it's not going to affect me. Like probably, okay, it won't affect you. You, you know, you, Wiggins has like 0% body fat. 
right? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like probably not going to affect him, but it's not about him. It's about Ron Adams. It's about, um, you know, Joel, it's about like older people in the building who like actually might have that risk. So hopefully something changes there. I, I also do feel he knows all of this, that there is no, the Warriors have done everything in their power. I mean, I'd hope to tell him all of this, right? Game checks, people around him that could catch COVID that might be bad for them. The team that wants him to do, like, he knows everything that you need to know. There is no new information, Sam, that Andrew Wiggins is going to get in the next two weeks uh, for him to take the shot, right? Like, there's nothing new outside of just that deadline is going to happen and he's actually going to lose game checks. I guess that's the only thing. And so, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's very confusing. I'm just, I'm very confused because you know, he's never said in March, he said he wasn't going to take it, but we all laughed about it. Thought it was pretty funny, but look at the Lakers. They said they're hundred percent vaccinated. And Ken Bazemore was talking about how he wouldn't do it. But as far as I'm concerned, it seems like he did. So I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe Le- LeBron, great team leader. I don't know, man. It's, it's <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I just, very awkward segment of the light years podcast. Are we done with this one? Can we get to the other stuff? Yeah, we're going to leave it here. All right, let's get to what I would consider. So there's two players we have to talk about who spoke yesterday uh, who are the most important ones. Yes. Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. We're going to start with Clay. Clay stole the show. It's weird watching him talk about it and talk about how he gets to finally play again at some point this year. And it's not going to be opening night. And, you know, hopefully it's December. Honestly, um, we still don't know. They're, they're trying to keep it vague. My first thing was like watching, I was like, God, the, the first game he plays is going to be one of the more emotional experiences where fans are going to have for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently, Steve Kerr said uh, that the first game is going to be a home game, the first game that comes back, which obviously my girlfriend texted me midday today because she loves Clay Thompson, as all women do, um, and said, hey, we're going to the first home game that clay's gonna play and i said well i don't have credentials anymore but yeah sure i'll buy those tickets and i just i'll, I'll buy those tickets <laughs> for for six hundred dollars uh no but <clears throat> you're right it's it's gonna be you gotta like you a, gotta hit StubHub the minute you get the tour notification before the guy jacks the price up twice I, <laughs> I am going to need sam sources to tell me ahead of time when that home <laughs> game is happening so that i can actually get ahead of the uh <laughs> of what's gonna turn that of, Turn that $250 ticket before it turns to $800. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a night. I mean, it's just, uh, it's going to be, Tom Brady's going back to New England on Sunday uh, and they dropped the Adele uh, song to it in the background. I know you saw that. I know you saw that yesterday during Sunday night football. And uh, the Patriots fans are going to be crying uh, when Brady comes back. Uh, And I think Warriors fans, you know, they're, they're, it's going to be insane when he comes back because, what I found most interesting about that press conference was, of course, that, he, you know, him talking, but also Clay Thompson. I don't say I'm like grown up, like mature Clay Thompson. Talking yeah, about that I stuff. mean, that's like, I, first off, it's on YouTube. I would yeah. tell everyone to watch it, um, uh, but don't get into YouTube rabbit hole afterwards. <laughs> yeah, um, Don't go to the same YouTube that guys like Andrew Wiggins goes to. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I couldn't. I couldn't. I teed that one up. Okay. So I'm going to go through it. Clay said a few things. Um, Let's talk on the basketball first. So Hmm. first he said, I'm not playing before 12 months. 12 months is obviously uh, November 25th, which means best case, early December, realistic case, 
that Christmas date could also be a little later than that. What I was interested in, he talked about how his, uh, how he was doing rehab. He says he's 75 to 80% of where he wants to be, which I thought was interesting. He said shots there. I can move laterally, but my reaction time is not where I want it. That's a big thing. He said, I feel rusty and slow in terms of reaction, but I think it'll come around. Maybe we can get Tim to drop that in. What exactly can you do right now on the court? Mm, I can make a lot of jump shots. Pretty good at defensive sliding. My timing's a little off. My reaction time's not there, but that's also being rusty two years. I anticipate, you know, hopefully in the next four weeks, play five on five again, one on one. And then from there, it should be smooth, not smooth sailing, but it should be up from there. I thought that was interesting because he's not talking about how he feels like he, he doesn't feel like he can, he's moving slower. He just feels like he's reacting slower, which is to be expected and makes me feel a little better because you just never know when someone comes back on an Achilles, like, man, I just like, I run, like I run slower, you know, that sort of thing. Right. He doesn't feel that's the case. He feels like he moves at the same speed. He just needs to catch up to basketball speed mentally, which to be expected. He sounded like someone that wants to play basketball. I mean, this is not news. You guys came to Let Years Podcast for this. But, like, he, he sounds like someone that he, he needs to play against NBA players. Playing basketball against his buddies, I mean, even if it's Michael Thompson, like, that's, those aren't NBA players. Like, he needs to play basketball against real live NBA players to get back to who he was. So I think there's not going to be a moment. There's not going to be November 31st or January 6th that, right. that we're going to be able to set the training staff is going to be like, all right, Clay Thompson, like, go out there. You're ready to go. Like, at some point, it's just going to have to be – you go out there and f- see how you feel. Like, that's really right. – like, I, I feel like that's, that's what he sounds like he's saying, right? You go out there. If you feel great, great. If you don't, like, that's just normal. You, that's how you go through rehab. That's how it's going to be. I'm sure that was the same for KD, right, and some of those other guys coming back. So, um, two years, too. Like, that's the, that's the even crazier part. Like, he didn't just miss a year. It's not a year of rust. It's two years. The NBA is so much different. There are going to be players out there that Clay's never seen before. Like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like, when, when did Michael Porter Jr. Become, like, you know, become good and get a $200 million max? What the fuck is going on there? And so, like, there's just some stuff, you know, that's, that's – it's going to be crazy. I mean, two years? Whew. It's wild how much time it's been since he's played. And, I mean, when I was watching him – so there's a basketball side of it where – there was an intensity, like you could tell he's longing to get on the court and we all understand it. And as much as one can, cause we're not the ones who had game taken from us and missing 800 plus days and all that sort of stuff. Right. Um, but there was another part of the press conference, which I found very cool, which was how introspective he was about everything that's happened since he's been out. He said, 2020 was the worst year of his life, losing his grandmother everything to do with the pandemic and the justice movement and like him talking about kind of, you know, I grew up the son of an NBA player. I've lived a privileged life and just like the lack of empathy people have for people who don't have that kind of privilege. I think it carried more weight for me because Clay Thompson comes across realer than most people you meet. Like, He's not out here trying to make it about him. It came across very authentic and heartfelt to the point where I'm just like, 
you know, he could have, he could have taken it a bunch of different directions, but he just wanted to focus on like Juan Toscano Anderson and the things he learned and trying to spotlight people who don't have it as good as him. There's no better way to describe it. It's just like that guy gets it. Yeah. That's like the most important thing. He, he had a quote and, and money pool tweeted out, but he said, 2020 showed us that the world needs more love. Just try to hear people's stories. And he talks about, like, you're talking about JTA, right? Like, that was an incredible story. Um, look, Clay knows who he is. He knows he's not coming out here, and he's not a he's not a one. So he's not Jalen Brown, right? Who's one of the smartest people that you'll meet in the league. Uh, social activist, knows what he's talking about. It's just incredible. You got Andre Godalo, same thing with him. Like, just really, really smart guys that can talk about those things. Clay Thompson, he knows he's not that guy, but he also understands, and I think he's in that presser, which I took me by surprise, but like he talked about why those like why we should care about those things, right? Why that should help us move forward as better people. Like I didn't see it as corny. You know why? Because he comes off as fucking honest, as real, because he genuinely cares about that stuff. That's Clay Thompson. A lot of the times you see with athletes, it's not that they do it because they're faking it, but it just sometimes feel like they do it because, you know, they got to do it, right? They just somebody told them to do it. Somebody paid them to do it. Or they do it because it, it really impacts, it helps the brand, right? It makes them look smart. It makes them look cool. That's just who they are, right? As people, but with Clay Thompson, it's like, man, I think that's just genuinely who he is. He genuinely loves people. He genuinely wants people to, like, he's genuinely happy for Juan Toscano Anderson. And uh, we never saw this from Clay Thompson when he first came into the league. We never saw this five years ago when they were winning championships. Felt like there's only been the last couple of seasons that we've seen this from Clay. So it's another side of him. It's like not really the goofy Clay, which everyone loves. This is like the more serious, empathetic, honest Clay that I think is uh, just as cool as all the other ones. Honestly, like he might be the most honest guy. Than, I, I used to think that was Draymond, Sam. But I now think that Draymond does it more for the brand just for show versus anything else. I think Clay is actually real. Yeah, that, my biggest takeaway is he is one of the most real athletes I've ever seen. And it's, and, and, it, and it manifests itself in some ways. Like he's goofy. He says some things are just like, you know, you just laugh. Right. Cause like, he's not trying to be cool. He's not pre-produced. Like he doesn't go on post game with like a pre-rehearsed speech to like sell you whatever his recent sponsor is. Right. And when it's something real like this, like, I don't think it's the, it's about him having the perfect words or the perfect message. It's about him being authentic and telling you, you know, it's just like, that's how he felt. That's legitimately how he felt. And honestly, it's just, it makes him very endearing. It's why he's one of the most popular athletes of all time in the Bay area. And I mean, I, I know I speak for you, but it's like, just very excited to see him get out there and do it again because it's very easy to be jaded and cynical and this sort of stuff. And he's not that guy. He's not that guy. Uh, <laughs> Steph, that guy pal. <laughs> Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, never, ever, ever, ever wear another NBA jersey. Uh, never, ever. Uh, those guys deserve to be warriors for. Hey, for hey the even rest Joe of their- Montana didn't. Repeat. <laughs> I did set you up for that one. All right. Well, let's get to the last guy. Uh, that that speaking of uh, speaking of the you other know, guy, you know this. You know we're in like a very upbeat mood where we don't lead. We close with Steph Curry. We don't even <laughs> like we don't even mention Steph until fifty minutes into this damn show. Um, Steph, did you feel like he had a different tone to him this time? I, you know. 
first of all, the haircut looks great. Um, I think he has a new barber, so apparently uh, his hair was shit, you know, for the last two years. But good for him. Uh, he... By the way, yeah, new new stuff, barber. If you want to come on here, we'll plug you. Just let's know. <laughs> uh, uh, he, I, Steph is usually pretty boring. Like you talk about someone that's honest, like Clay, you t- and then there's guys that are boring, like Steph. You just never get anything out of him, partly because he's too famous. Sammy, look, he's not pissed. Have you ever? I, I've never seen him sound like that uh in 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 public it's it was i was a little shocked and i think that kind of uh that kind of told me that he's not happy with andrew wiggins that's what that told me yeah i mean he he's not dumb because he's been doing the media thing since he was at davidson and he knows how to say nothing while talking a lot like he the, the funny thing about Steph is like most exciting player, most boring interview. Right. And he, he knows when he made that comment, he was being pretty direct. Like, yes, it would be better if he got vaccinated, made a very clear point. He also on top of it, since we talked about the vaccination thing, he made a point to when asked, we all know how much luxury tax this team has paid the last few years, but they did not use their, tax level, um, blah, blah, blah. would you expect them to be aggressive? Would you want them to be very aggressive? Would you be bothered if they have a chance to use the taxpayer mid-level and they did not use it for financial reasons? And Steph goes, yes to all of those. You'd want them to be aggressive? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> have they told you they will? Yes, in the sense of we're having those conversations where you have to be on the same page terms of what would be to fill the role and need. But yes, I would expect all three of those questions to be a yes. Does that make sense? Just to clarify, Steph is saying, I will be mad if we have a chance to sign a player for the mid-level exception and we decide not to sign them for money reasons. Another, another uh, moment of Steph Curry kind of out of character. Uh, when has he ever been someone to kind of talk that way? Um, I don't see that really as a, as a bit of frustration, Sam. Um, I'm not saying that you were saying it was frustration, um, but I think that's him saying, uh, yeah, we will spend that money if there's someone willing to take that money. I, I, in, the, in the case of, let's say, Nick, Nick Batum, who's willing to take that money, the Warriors would have done it. Um, I also think it coincides with the quote that he had on a show with um, Michael Smith when Michael Smith asked him about Ben Simmons, right? And Steph said, instead of giving the usual, like, no comment or whatever it was or some diplomatic answer, he kind of said, you know, we're always going to be talking. We're always going to be looking at it if things like that are going to pop up. And you're kind of sitting there like, hmm, like, what's that all about, right? Because as far as, you know, what's known to the public, it feels like Joe Lacob saying absolutely not and Ben Simmons. But maybe behind closed doors, Steph is saying, I don't know, guys. Ben Simmons is pretty talented. If all we need to do is, uh, you know, send him a boatload of picks and match contracts, we probably should do it. Like, I don't know. It seems like maybe that's the case. So uh, maybe more than meets the eye. Maybe Steph is giving us a little bit of a, a more vision behind the curtain or more of a whatever. But I, maybe, maybe. That's how I see it, too. I'll point this out as, as a counterpoint, which is he did sign the extension. And I do get the impression from him that he's he trusts Bob Myers more than anything. He trusts that. If push comes to shove and they have to make a deal, Bob's going to get it done. He does not believe the organization will get cheap when they need to, which is what matters to him. Like he's not saying spend money for the sake of spending money. He's saying, Hey man, 
if we can sign Nick Batum and it costs them taxpayer mid-level, don't come to me and say you're too cheap. Nick Batum didn't sign with the Warriors because Nick Batum wanted to stay a Clipper. He can live with that. He can't live with Nick Batum wanting to come to the Warriors and them being like, oh, he wants too much money. And I think that is a subtle difference. And that is why he re-signed and he's happy because he feels like, look, man, if we have a chance to improve the roster, they're going to spend to do it. That tells me that the mid-level exception is not going to be used until the season starts or something pops up. Um, But what about this situation, Sam? If Ben Simmons, because we talk about him every part, this is our guy. But one of the reasons why Joe Lake doesn't way, want to trade for him. In yeah. Napa, in the 707, Ooh. right now, wine tasting with Andy Lou last night, per sources. Whoa, yeah. Simmons. I took him to um, ah, Darish. Man. Okay, yeah, see, there you go. I was, gonna, I, I was trying to think of a winery. I mean, uh, obviously, um, obviously, I'm a fan of the Persian-owned winery in Napa. Come on. Wow, okay, so I've never been. Now you got that, that, That's next up for me. I didn't know, even know there was possible for it to be a Persian-owned winery. I don't think there is a Chinese-owned winery. I should probably look that up. Um, um, <laughs> if, well, well, one of the reasons why Ben Simmons is not viable in, Kirk, in Joe Lacob's minds, Kirk, Joe Lacob's minds would be the contract, right? Like one of the reasons is that they're going to have to pay him or he, his contract is four more years or whatever it was uh, for, for a shit ton of money. And if you're Steph Curry, does this quote kind of allude to that to say, Hey, Joe, listen, if we have a chance to get a star and your concern is the money portion of it, not so much the fit, but the money portion of it, we got to make that deal. Like to me that, that maybe that's what it comes down to because the fit stuff, I think they can get around. You think they can get around. I think a lot of smart people think that they can get around the fit stuff. Maybe it's the money stuff. Maybe Steph is saying, guys, if Ben Simmons on the table, you guys don't want to pay the contract. We're not like, let's figure this out. Cause we, we got to get that guy regardless of what the money's is. I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to talk myself into it. Maybe I'm galaxy braining. Yeah, no, no that, that's how I read it too. I think Steph's percent. And, and this isn't just this quote. He said it over at the Ryder cup about Ben Simmons I get the impression he's willing to ride with the Warriors as long as he feels like they're making smart decisions. Like maybe he's not down with trading all the picks for Ben Simmons because he thinks that's an overpay, you know, because look, man, if we're fantasy GMs, you don't think Steph's a fantasy GM. Come on, man. You know, like that sort of thing. But he wants to know if, if it appears that they're going to do it, that they're not going to get cheap on him, that they're not going to be like, no, we don't want to do that. No, we're not willing to trade a pick for that, that sort of thing, right? So that's a vibe I got, which honestly, I think that's pretty healthy. And from a star perspective, like you can't ask for better from a star than that, right? Like, because like you, we see other stars where they're like, I don't care, just make it happen or I'm out, right? Steph is being a little more realistic about it. He's like, I just want to know that you guys are not passing up on good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, that's reasonable. I think to really anybody and though, like you can't, if you're Joe, if you're Bob, if you're Steve, you can't say that's not reasonable. And I think that Dave, I mean, Bob Myers, we didn't even talk about this from the jump, but he basically said, Hey, like we do feel like we need to put something together for Steph Curry. And, and then he also said, we need to do it for the rest of the guys too. But I understand where they're coming from the guys, the top 20 player in NBA history. Like, yeah, they need to put something together for that guy. I mean, what are we doing here? So um, that goes without being said, but uh, overall, up and down. I got to say, the, the last thing I have for the media day is just, it's up and down. I thought I thought the beginning of the media day, starting with, with Myers and Andrew Wiggins, was just, woo, 
we had a lot of stuff going on there. And then with uh, with Clay Thompson, and then and then ending it with Steph Curry, I just thought uh, the Warriors are gonna be a uh, hop lightning rod. Yeah, <laughs> just the top well, um, three entertaining. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into like actual basketball stuff after this, but I felt like Media Day deserved this ooh. energy. Um, so we appreciate you guys. Subscribe, five stars, all the good stuff. Buy Peloton, onepeloton.com, promo code Lightning. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.